Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we are learning Maseches Yuma, Daf Ayin Gimel. Uh, and we will be ending at the end of the parak. We have a lot of work to do on Shabbos and on Sunday night. Um, and uh, Sunday night is a problem because Sunday night is going to be a fast day. I may pre-record that day because I don't have any easy way to replace it, especially in light of traveling on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'll figure it out. Well, we have a lot of work to do, but... Uh, uh, I'll keep you posted when I figure out what exactly is going to happen. I'll know more after we uh, get to where we're supposed to hopefully get on Shabbos. We're starting on the bottom of Ayin Beis and Beis at the two dots. And we had learned in our Mishnah previously that Be'elu Nish'alen Be'urim Betumim, that there are those who are allowed to ask from the Urim Betumim. So here the Gemara is going to get first into a general discussion about uh, about a Kohen who goes to war, uh, who is referred to as uh, the Kohen Mashuach Milchama. And then we're actually going to get into the nitty gritties of how the Urim Batumim work and what some of the guidelines are. So here we go. When he came from Eretz Yisrael, the clothes that the Kohen Gadol wears, the eight garments, the Kohen, who's also the one who's appointed to be available during war, to teach them the halachos, to navigate with them in war, to answer Shilas for the, for, with the Urim Batumim, he also is Meshamesh Ben, he also wears the eight as the Pasuk in Chumash says, the clothes of Aaron Kohen should also be for his children after him. And the Pasuk uh, is Darshan, strangely, in that it's not actually talking about the Banav Acharav. How does, it, uh, how does the Gemara, how does this Brisa explain this? Says the Gemara, the next greatest Kohen afterwards. It's not the Skan. Which Kohen Gadol, because the Skan doesn't wear the eight, right? Who is the next person who wears eight Lechatchila? That person is the Kohen Mashuach um, Milchama. So says the Gemara a couple of questions. Two lines from the bottom of Ayin Bezim and Bezim. Masiv Rav Adabar Ava. The Amri La Kedi. Either Rav Adabar Ava asked it or someone says it was a person named Kedi. And we've seen this three or four times in Shas, maybe five. And Kedi is either a person or it's just another person, like a reference to it. It's either someone's name or a reference to a person whom we don't know. Yochol, Yehei Benoshel Meshach Melchama. Maybe we should say that the coin Meshach Melchama, just like uh, that by him, that Meshamesh Tachtav, that his children will take over after him. Just like by a coin gadol that his son, it's in the family. It's a family tradition. Trying to convince one of my kids to be a mole when they're older, they're not interested. So by the coin mashuach milchama, so they, uh, it, the, the brisa says, maybe we should assume that just like by the coin gadol, it goes uh, it goes in an inheritance to his kids. So to the mashuach milchama, top of ayin gimel amenav, tamulomar, therefore the Pasuk says, shivas yamim yil basham hakohen tachtov, it only applies to those who are ra'oi to ohel mo'it. But that's very unique because what is the Kohen Mashuach wearing? Kohen Mashuach Muhammad is wearing the eight begadim. So says the Gemara Vimisa, if you're going to recommend Ravdimi, Ravdimi from three lines from the bottom. If you, Ravdimi, are recommending that the Kohen Mashuach Melchama is wearing the eight begadim, so then Mechzichazi, he should be perfectly fit. Why, why would his son not be fit? He's, he's checked off all the boxes. He's doing great. So says the Gemara, Amar of Nachman Kamar. This is how we need to understand things. This Brisa that we saw at the top of the page that limits the son of the Kohen Mashuach Melchama from automatically earning his father's position of being the Kohen Mashuach Melchama. Here's Pshat. The way we need to darshan the Pasuk is as follows. When the Kohen Gadol 
gives over as a uh, as, as to his next child the fact that he is now a Kohen Gadol. That's because he was Mashuach Lekach. The whole point of the Kohen Gadol was that he was brought in to be in the Kodesh HaKodashim, so to his child. However, that was not the anointing process in regards to the Kohen Mashuach Milchama, and therefore it's not automatic. It doesn't necessarily go to his child. Next question. Mesive, we have a Brisa that reads as follows. Mashuach Milchama Eino Meshamesh Loba Arba Kohen Hedyot so here we see an explicit brisa against Ravdimi. Ravdimi told us that when the Kohen Mashiach Milchama would go to war, he would wear the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. This brisa says extremely explicitly, not only does he not wear the four, he certainly doesn't wear the eight. Kasha, what about Ravdimi? So says the Gemara, Amar Abai, the word lay is removed by many of the Dufusim Yeshanim, or I should say it was never there in the first place. Amar um, uh, yeah, and that makes sense historically also. Amar Abaye Elazar Mashvisle. What the 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 Kohen Meshuach Milchama is, is a czar. He has no big day kahuna. So says the Gemara. Really, he should have worn it, but we had a problem. So says the Gemara. Ella really Kohen Gadol. He should have been dressed like a Kohen Gadol, but Mishum Eva. But because it created a negative feeling for the actual Kohen Gadol, we therefore did not require him to wear it. And he doesn't dress Kohen Hedjo Mishum Malin Moridim because it makes no sense for him to wear that. That those aren't even his garments. He should not be wearing the begadim of the Hedjo, the four begadim, because Malin Bekodeshvein Moridim. He should be wearing eight, and he doesn't wear the eight because of Eva. So that's how the Gemara gets out of this question. That really we should be wearing it, but we're not going to because of Eva. We have a hetero like that also, huh? Zero. He doesn't wear big dekuna. That's what the Gemara says. It's very strange, but it's a, it it leads to a domino effect, Shaila, which is how do, how did they ask but with Urmutuman? That's a good kasha. Maybe during the war itself it was different, but certainly as he was walking out of the building, it seems like he was not wearing anything. That's what it seems like from the Brysa. And then says the Gemara, hold on one second. You're trying to tell me that because of Ava, that this Kohen Mashuach Melchama doesn't wear the big day kahuna. Oh, says the Gemara, that's not correct. Omar le Ravada bar Ahava le Rava. The high Tana, the following Tana that we're about to learn in a lengthy brisa, the less lay Eva, it's a case where there is no Eva, there is no tension, potential tension between the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Mashuach Melchama, and still, we still see that he's not wearing the begotten. So what is this case? This brysa is about 12, 10, 12 lines, and they're very long lines. So let's learn the brysa, and then we'll come back to our question. Tanya, the brysa writes a quarter of the way down, almost a third of the way down, an ayin gimel amadalev. Says the Gemara, This is a great brysa for general Yudia. Someone's going to ask at the Shabbos table on Parshas Emor, what's the difference between a Kohen Gadol and a Kohen Hedjot? Crack open the Gemara to Daf Ayin Gimel because here you will find a brysa that includes all of those differences. Par Kohen Mashiach Upar Ba'al Kol Hamitzvos. This is a korban that's brought when a Kohen makes an error. Uh, some remove the language of Par Ba'al Kol Hamitzvos because it's really usually referred to as Par Kohen Mashiach, but it's referring to uh, uh, something that only the Kohen Gadol would bring. Upar Yom That's only brought. We spent many blot discussing that. That only the Kohen Gadol brings the Par Yom Kippur. Va'asiris Eifa was a daily 
um, a cracker baked type of uh, item that was made by the coin gadol. And the coin gadol as well, lo poreh lo porim, during Avelis, he would not uh, tear his clothes, he wouldn't grow out his hair. Aval porim hu milamata, he would tear just a drop at the bottom of his garment, vehahed yot milamala, and a regular coin would tear at the top of his clothing. The coin gadol is not allowed even for the sheva krovim that a regular coin is allowed to become tame for, which otherwise would have been an isser derais that the coin gadol is not allowed. He is obligated, he has a mitzvah to marry a basula, and he's muzhar on an almona that he's not allowed to marry a widow. That when the kohen gadol dies, remember the famous halacha by Goel Hadam, that if a person inadvertently kills someone, they go to an ir miklat, and they have to stay in that ir miklat until the kohen gadol dies. When the kohen hedio dies, that doesn't change anything. So that's only a din by the kohen gadol. Umakriv onein ve'eno ochel ve'eno cholek. Even if he is a, while he's a kohen gadol, even if he is an avelus mamish. And Aninus is the phase between death of, a, of an immediate family member and burial of that immediate family member. That's the stage of Aninus. So the Kohen Gadol is still makriv onin. He's still allowed to do korbanos. However, he can't eat from it and he cannot be cholek and he cannot, uh, he cannot uh, dish it out to others. And unrelated to Avelus, another done by the Kohen Gadol is that he can always choose to uh, take whatever he wants and to be makar whichever animal he wants, which is not true by a kohen hadyot, and as well, of course, obviously, like our Mishnah started, the kohen gadol wears eight begadim, and the kohen hadyot wears four. If there was some type of tumah that, that took place in the mikdash, uh, the uh, coin would be putter from such ramifications, the coin gadol only, not the coin hedjot. And and it is le'ikuva when it comes to major elements of the avodah of Yom Kippur, that, is, uh, that can only be done by the coin gadol and not by the coin hedjot. Halfway down, five lines into the wide lines. The brysa continues, we're not done yet with the brysa. But now we have to start paying a little bit more attention. We've learned a lot of differences between the Kohen Gadol and a Kohen Hedyo. But now let's dig into some of the uh, exceptions to the rule. The Chulan Nohagos, all of these differences between a Kohen Hedyo and a Kohen Gadol, they apply even Bimeruba Begadim. What is Bimeruba Begadim? So in, uh, right around the times of the Bate Mikdash, one, uh, they no longer had Shemen Hamishcha. So when there was no longer Shemen Hamishcha, what should we do? How do we anoint the Kohen Gadol to be the Kohen Gadol without the Shem and Hamishcha? So the halacha was that we were Meruba Begadim. We put all of the big day kahuna on him, all of the Kohen Gadol vestments on him. We then assumed halachically that he became the Kohen Gadol. So the Gemara is now extending the rule of a Kohen Gadol who is Nimshach B'Shem and Hamishcha to a Kohen Gadol who is not Nimshach B'Shem and Hamishcha. All of the distinctions that we learned above between a coin gadol and coin hedjot apply, chutz, with the exception of mipar haba al kol except for the first distinction, which we learned earlier in the brisa, which is this korban that's brought when a coin gadol makes an error. There, specifically, we needed to be uh, with shem and hamishcha, but everything else applies. This also applies in regards to a coin who's referred to as mashuach sha'avar. Who is a coin gadol who's mashuach sha'avar? A Kohen Gadol who's Mashiach Sha'avar is a Kohen Gadol who stepped in to fill in for a Kohen, the primary Kohen Gadol who became Tameh for a short period of time. During that short period of time, another Kohen Gadol was, was, was Nimshach B'Shem and Amishcha, and he acted as the interim Kohen Gadol. And then when the regular Kohen came back, so then this Kohen was referred to as the Mashiach Sha'avar. So the halacha is, v'chulan no'a goes b'mashuach sha'avar. All of the distinctions that we learned above 
between the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Hedyot apply to this Mashuach She'avar, the interim Kohen Gadol who's no longer acting, Chutz with the exception of Miparyom HaKippur Basir Seifa, those two are not allowed, and then the Chulan, Ein Nohagos, and then all the distinctions between the Par, excuse me, all the distinctions between the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Hedyot do not apply in regards to B'Meshuach Melchama, the Kohen that we started out talking about, Rav Dimi, was our initial statement on the bottom of Ayin Bezim at Bez, where he said that the Kohen Mashuach Milchama, the Kohen who was appointed to war, would wear the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. So none of these distinctions apply. Chutz, Micha, Mishadvarm, except for five specific things that do still apply to the to the Mashuach Milchama. Ha'amurim beparsha. What are what are listed? Lo poreh, lo poreh. He has the same halachos about uh, growing out his hair and tearing his clothes when he's in avelus. Lo matami lekrovav. And this Mashuach Milchama is not allowed to become tami even for the krovim, even for the immediate krovim that are listed in the Torah. Umetzuva la besula umasar alamana. He has to make sure that he marries a woman who's never been married before, and he is not allowed to marry an almana, a widow. Umachzer tsarosech kadiver Reb Yehuda. And he has to. And, and when he, when he dies, that the coin Mashuach Milchama, when he dies, then he enables a Goal Hadam to leave the Ir Miklat. This person who inadvertently killed and had to move into an Ir Miklat, now he can leave. And then uh, that's Shitas Rabbi Yehuda. And that one Nikud of Chachamim Omerim Eino Machzir. Now, this Brisa is really fascinating because what does it not say about the Kohen Mashuach Melchama? It doesn't say that he wears the Shmona Begadim. So it's, it's, it's a question of omission. If we were looking with the right lens, we would have seen that we would have seen that in regards to the last section of the brisa, we said that none of this applies to the coin mashuach melchama except for five things, and the five things didn't include the eight garments of the coin gadol. We therefore see that this brisa is a case where there's no eva, there's no tension between the kohanim, and still he's not wearing the garments. So says the Gemara as a response, two thirds of the way down, ki lesle eva bidikavose. It's not always true. Sometimes there was a there there was Eva. There was no Eva Bidikavase when he was in his place. But when he's removed from his role, then there was Eva. So it just depends on when we were talking about in regards to whether or not we would wear the um, whether or not he would be wearing the eight garments. So discussion in the Gemara. Two-thirds of the way down, the Gemara shifts just a drop within this conversation to speak about who authored these comments. Says the Gemara, Yosef Rebbe Abahu. Rabbi Abahu, we'll see exactly who was teaching. It's possibly Rabbi Abahu. Yosef Rabbi Abahu, Rabbi Abahu quoted this discussion about whether or not the Kohen Mashach Melchama would wear eight pagadim, and he quoted it in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. When that happened, it was said out loud, Rabbi Abahu was giving shir. And he said out loud, this is all going to be uh, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So immediately, they looked at each other and nodded in disagreement. Mm-mm. Right. You can, in the in the room, everyone understood that Ravami and Ravasi were saying that he got the author wrong. It was not Rav Yochanan. And then Ika de Amri, the Gemara says that really maybe it wasn't Rabbi Abahu that was talking. Ika de Amri, Rav Bar Abba Amra, that maybe uh, the presentation of the Gemara was that Rabbi Chia Bar Abba was the one who had said that it was the name of Rabbi Yochanan. And under those circumstances, they looked at each other in disagreement. But says the Gemara, that can't be. Who do we think is the author of this statement? Was it Rabbi Abahu, who says it was in the name of Rabbi Yochanan? Or was it Rav Chia Bar Abba in the name of Rabbi Yochanan? So Maskiflo, the Gemara asks a question in the name of Rav Papa. I could understand if you say that the author was Rabbi Abahu. I could understand that it was Rabbi Abahu. And because it was Rabbi Abahu, Ravami and Ravasi, they didn't speak up 
they kind of showed their disagreement just by shaking their heads quietly. Because Rabbi Abba was really uh, immersed and enmeshed in the, in the government, in the local government. And because he had the covet of the Kesar, they didn't want to do anything to mess around with that. So they didn't say anything out loud to him. They disagreed, but they kept their mouths shut. It's uh, sometimes it's good not to say things out loud. However, in regards to Rabbi Baraba, Rabbi Baraba was not a government, uh, a governmental type of person. He was not involved in advocacy. Just open your mouth and say what you think. Why would Rabbi and Rabbi nod their heads? They should just say what they think. So therefore, the Gemara implies a conclusion that the author, that the, the person who stated that this whole discussion was in the name of Rabbi Yochanan must have been Rabbi Abba. The Gemara now uh, flips back to an interesting pivot. We had said that our whole conversation at the bottom of the page on Ayin Beis and Beis with Rodimi was as to whether or not the Kohen Mashuach Melchama would wear the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol when he was out to war. But Ravin, remember Ravdimi and Ravin, they're all often quoted together, says the Gemara, three-fourths of the way down, about 10 lines up from the bottom, Kiasa Ravin, when Ravin came from Yerushalayim, he said, no, Ravdimi got the whole thing wrong. It wasn't a question of whether or not the Kohen Mashuach Melchama would wear the garments all day long. Rather, Omar Nishal Itmar, only when he was asking. What does he mean, asking? Nishal is a reference to asking about the Urim Vatumim. He was only wearing the eight garments when they were asking about the Urim Vatumim. Tanya Nami Hachi, we have a brisa that says just the same. Oh, much clearer, much less complicated. We could have avoided all of this dialogue at the top of the page if we didn't have Rav Dimi's version of Rav Yochanan, but if we had Ravin's version of Rav Yochanan, because Ravin says, we're not asking a steer in prices. All we're saying is that the Kohen Mashuach Melchama, that he's obligated to wear the Shemot of the Gadim when they're utilizing the Urim Batumim. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis ask, the rabbis teach us, Ketzad Shoalim, what was the method to the madness of the Urim Vitumim? How did it work? I was very excited to start learning this. I never knew. I mean, I heard like, you know, little snippets. I never saw it inside. This is beautiful. So it says the Gemara, Hashoel pun of Klape Nishal, the person asking the question would face the Kohen Gadol, who is the Nishal, the one being asked, the Hanishal pun of Klape Shechina, and the one who was being asked, namely the Kohen Mashuach Melchama, his face would be looking down at the Urim Vitumim where the Shechina would rest. Hashoel Omer, the Shoel would ask a question, which the Gemara is giving here just as an example. Should I go after this tr- set of troops? Omer, the Kohen Mashuach Melchama, who has the Choshen on him, the, he has the Choshen on him, he would answer, That was an actual example of how it was used, but this is just a template. You ask a question, and you get an answer. So it says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ein Sarach Lomar, Ko Amar Hashem, Ela Alev HaHatzach. You don't need to give a whole drasha. You can just say the words Alev HaHatzach. Just give the actual yes or no. You don't have to give the context. You don't even have to quote the whole Pasuk. Just give the answer and move on. And then the Gemara gives some parameters about, <clears throat> about how uh, and what to ask. It says the Gemara, Ein Shalin Bakal. You can't ask very loudly. Shneemar Vishalo. It should be done in a quiet voice. Hard to know what the words v'sha'alo, it just means he asked, but the Gemara assumes that it means in a quiet voice. You can't just think about it. The words have to leave your lips. It has to be before Hashem. You have to open your mouth and actually say something. Ella says the Gemara, we should be, when when one asks a question toward the Choshen, 
they should do so the way Chana Davin in the famous story of Eli and Chana, so it's kind of the way we say Shmon Esrei. Chana was the paradigm for Shmon Esrei. So, you know, we're doing so in contrition, in a quiet voice. You should be able to hear yourself. But Lav Davka, it's an unbelievable thing. Lav Davka, that the Nisha, that the Kohen Moshech Mocham would even hear you. So it has to be quiet. But he'd be able to give you the answer, which is amazing. We'll see soon that he must have had an element of Ruach HaKodesh. It wasn't Stam. So says the Gemara, that was how you would ask, not out loud, not, not silently, but rather like Shmona Esrei. And also, one should not ask two questions in one fell swoop. There's no twofers when it comes to the Choshen. Ask each question individually, unless it is critical, as we will see soon. And if one did ask two questions in one breath, which they should not, you'll only get one answer. And the only answer you'll get will be on the first question. You ask two questions, you only get one, uh, one genie card here, and I'm going to only answer your first question. First question in, first question out. You ask the second one, too bad. Should Neymar, what's the Gemara's example? I ask will I be given over to them? And then he asked the second question, David, will David descend? Will David go down? But Yomar Hashem, Hashem only gave one answer, Yeh There's only one problem. Which question did Hashem answer? The second one. But you just told us the rule that if you ask two questions, you're only getting one answer, and it's the first. So asks the Gemara, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu answer Yeh which was the second question? You told us that the rule of the Choshen is that if you ask two questions when you shouldn't have, then you're only going to get an answer to the first. Asks the Gemara, Why did you say, You answered the wrong question. Says the Gemara, because David Sha'al, turning to the top of Ayin Gimel and Mebez, Shelo Keseder Zero Lo Keseder. David really asked his questions out of order. We're not going to dig into the Psukim now, but David asked his questions out of order, and um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered the questions assuming they were had been asked in the correct order. And then and if you look in the in, in the Navi over there, you'll see that the next Pasuk is Khazar Vishal Kaseder Shinemar Yasgiro. Then we see that he asked this question again. Because he asked this question, which was the first question, it really needed to be the second question. So in the next passage, he asked the next question. If in fact it was essential that both questions be asked in one breath, then then you'll get the answers that you need, no problem. Should I go after this uh, set of troops and will I will I uh, uh, reach them? Uh, why was it essential? Again, this requires Rishonim and commentary. And he answers both of them. And both were uh, both were answered. When it's essential to ask both, maybe because of timing. And, uh, we have to figure this out. But it's maybe because of how tight the timing was, then the then the Urim Batumim would give the answer. Then says the Gemara rule. <clears throat> Even though it's possible that the gzera of a navi could be undone, gzeras urim v'tumim ain't a choseras. If the if the urim v'tumim gives gives a psak, uh, you can expect that the urim v'tumim will give the psak and it will stand. It'll be the rule of the urim. Lama nikra shemon urim v'tumim. Why was it called the urim v'tumim? So says the Gemara, Urim, it was called Urim Shemeirimes Divrehen because it would brighten up their words. We'll see what that means in a minute, according to some of the uh, some of the Amorim. Tumim from the word Tamima, it's complete. Shemashlimen Estivrehen, it would fill in what they didn't have. It would give them answers to things that they didn't know. 
Beam Tomar, hold on one second. You want to say that when it comes to the Urim Batumim, that it's Eina Choseres, that it's never going to be not upheld. Beam Tomar, Begivas Binyomim, Mipne Malo, Ishlim, the Psukim over there say that they asked the Urim Batumim twice and they got decimated on the field for those two, for those two battles. Only the third time did it work, says the Gemara, because Haim Shalom Lo Bichnu, Ilanatzach. They didn't ask if they were going to win or if they were not going to win. They asked the wrong question. The third time when they did ask the question, probably where they did make a distinction to find out if they were going to win or lose. Then the Urim Batumim gave them a yes. And in fact, it played out the way that they said. They didn't ask the right question. Always important to know when you're asking a Shiloh. You got to ask the Shiloh right. If you ask the Shiloh wrong, you're going to get the wrong answer. It has to be thought out. The Chachma, be careful. That's the job. When you ask a Shiloh, it should not be flippant. It should always be calculating. How am I asking this question? What are the factors that I'm going to put on the table in front of the Rav? And that's sometimes a very difficult thing to do. And then maybe your Shiloh is, Rebbe, I need help formulating my Shiloh. But to ask the Shiloh wrong will get you the wrong answer. Here too, that's exactly what happened here. They didn't ask the question the right way, and they, uh, they paid for it. So then here, they actually, the third time that they uh, went to battle, they finally did it right. Shana Mr. were about 12 lines down on Gimel Amid Beis. Shana Mar, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron, Omeid lefanah bayamim ha'hein. Lemor ha'osif od latzeis lemelchama, should I go back out to battle in Bnei Binyamin? Achai im echdal. Or im echdal, the Mephorshim here say, will I be victorious? Will I make it or will I not make it? Namely, will I win or will I not win? This language was missing from the previous requests. And therefore the Urim Vatumim said, yeah, you should go to battle, but you didn't ask me if you were going to win or lose. Now that you asked the question the right way, yeah, you're going to win. What was Hashem's response through the Urim Vatumim? Vayom Hashem alu, ki macharat nenu biyadecha, you should go and battle with them tomorrow, you're going to win. So Ketzad Nases, what was the Matthias? How did they read the Urim Vitumim? What did they do? We know that there were stones with the names of all the Shvatim on them. Ketzad Nases, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Boltos, that the, language, the, the words would, uh, the letters would seemingly stick out. Reish Lakish Amar meets Darpos. Not only would they stick out, but they would also combine into words. So some, a lot of them, a Farshimir say, it doesn't mean that like, like a hologram, like the letter would literally float off. It wasn't like that. But the Navi, the, the, the Kohen Mashuach uh, Mulchama would know what to look for. It wasn't Stam. Now, if, if somebody else was looking, they wouldn't see anything. Only the Kohen Mashuach Mulchama would know what he was looking for. It was, it was magical. It's not, it, was, it, was, it was a nace. It's not, this is not normal stuff. But the Kohen Mashuach Mulchama was able to do so. So says the Gemara, hold on one second. If you look through all the names of the Shvatim, not every letter in the Aleph base is present. Says the Gemara, there's no tzadi in the names of all the shvatim. It says the Gemara, don't worry. I'm Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, Avram Yitzchak, Yaakov, They added onto the Urim Batum and the words Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and there's a tzadi in Yitzchak. So don't worry, we picked up on the on the tzadi that was missing. I says the Gemara, Bahaloksiv test. The letter test is also not go through them. Naftali, everybody. Ruben, Shimon, Levi, Yudah, there's no test. It says the Gemara, Amar Ravacha Bar Yaakov, Shivte Yeshurun Ksiv Sham. It also says Shivte with the letter test. And therefore, all 22 letters of the Aleph Bays were present. And therefore, in the letter, in case we needed any letters, we, we had access to them. So Mesfi, the Gemara says, hold on one second. You're trying to tell me that the letters were Boltos, that the letters were Mitzdarfos, but that's not necessarily true. Those aren't the only factors in being able to read the, the Urim Vitumim. There was another factor as well, as we will see in this Brisa. Meisve, kol kohen she'enu medaber, beruach ha-kodesh, v'shchina shore alav. 
Someone who doesn't have Racha Kodesh and have the Shechina dwelling upon him, he, he's not the right person to be uh, to be involved in this. When Sadok uh, did it, he he got a good response. He didn't get the job done. So answers the Gemara, you're right. There's a component here of Racha Kodesh as well. It's not just a question of the letters doing their thing and it's miraculous only on the side of the Urim Vitumim. You also had to have the right eyes. You had to be on the right caliber, the right level. Ruach HaKodesh, the famous price of Rav Pinchas Ben Yair, um, that, we, that the Mesilas Hashem is predicated upon the last step, the one before that, Ruach HaKodesh. So these are very, very lofty levels. It's not Pasha, but you have to be on that level to read the Urim Batumim. Otherwise, it would just look like a bunch of rocks. So that was a very high level. So it says the Gemara, so you have a Messiah, these two things, they worked in tandem with one another. The, the Kohen, the, the Kohen Mashoch Muhammad had to be of caliber. He had to be a Baal Ruach HaKodesh. And at the same time, once that was the case, then he could see the letters Boltos and Mitzdarfos. Last circuit for the night before the end of the parak. It says, How do we know that the Urim Vatum was limited only to a certain group of people? It says the Gemara, Amar Rebbe Abahu, Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, I'm going to read the whole Pasuk because it's important for, uh, for, the, for the drasha that we're about to see. The whole Pasuk reads, So we're going to make a drasha on those last few words. Look back in the Gemara. We quoted part of it. Who, what does the word who mean? We make a drasha that the king is one of the people who can utilize the Urim Batumim. That's a reference to the Kohen Mashuach Melchama. That's going to be the Sanhedrin who are uh, given the rights to ask. And that's how we learn who is allowed to utilize the Urim Batumim. should come back to this daf in seven and a half years. Tomorrow night. We have a lot of work tomorrow night. We'll see how far we get. We're going to be learning Ayin Dalid and Ayin Hay. Uh, to all of us. Um, and, uh, and then we'll figure out the rest of the schedule for next week. Wishing you all a beautiful night.